0: another edition of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast, your home for all the latest Minnesota links and WNBA news, analysis, and coverage. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. I'm your host, Mitchell Hanson, and I'm thrilled to be joined this week by someone many of you are familiar with who follow the college basketball game and the WNBA, Lindsay Darkangelo, who covers the WNBA and college basketball for The Athletic, Just Women's Sports, basically everywhere else, and she is a co-author of Hail Mary, The Rise and the Fall of the NWFL. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you for joining.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Before we dive into things, um, let's let's start by um, just kind of giving people uh, an idea where they can find all of your work. I said, like I mentioned, you're, you're kind of everywhere, but uh, tell people where they can follow your work, where they can follow you on social media, and, and kind of everywhere else.
1: Yeah, I've been at The Athletic for, geez, it's going to be five years now. Um this July, just kind of wild. But um, yeah, I like you mentioned, I write about the WNBA and women's college basketball for the athletic. And then I also do some stuff for just women's sports uh, on the side as well. And um, yeah, and basically, I, I tweet a lot about about women's basketball (laughs) all the time actually
0: to to follow your coverage and and the coverage that you give not only the WNBA but um women's basketball in, in general so it's it's a lot of great stuff and thank you for for your hard work and all that you do
1: oh I appreciate that you know it's nice to have that validation when you hear that sometimes so thank you
0: yeah well let's let's get right into um some of the questions if you if you don't mind. Um I, I first kind of wanted just to talk to you a little bit about about the offseason. It's kind of been a busy offseason. We've seen kind of I would say maybe a little bit of a realignment with with just kind of the you know how top heavy the WNBA is and and the you know the free agents that, that have shifted teams this offseason. What you know what are your thoughts on on the busy offseason and, and kind of things that have, have unfolded so far?
1: Yeah, so we sort of I mean people say that we enter this super team era because you know you have um, Brianna Stewart, Jonquil Jones, Courtney Vandersloot all in New Yorks New York City now with um, the Liberty and then Candace Parker joining the Aces um which essentially they're just both very talented teams on paper. I mean we've already seen what what Vegas could do without Parker and and to have her on that team now is is kind of uh, kind of wild. Um but yeah, so um I mean we've seen we've seen these teams sort of develop in the ha- in the past, but always through the draft, like uh, Minnesota, as you know, was a dynasty for a little bit with with Maya Moore and Rebecca Brunson and Lindsey Whalen and you know um, Sylvia Fowles and um it's just it's we've seen this before, but to have it being done through free agency, I think is what has caught everybody's eye and um oh simone augustus obviously how could i forget her as well on the link so um yeah so i think that's why that caused a lot of you know conversation about this this new era of superstar players taking less money to sort of go play with each other and it's like i said it's not like we haven't seen it before it's just happening in in a different way um now and then um and then you have you know other teams that are really focusing and trying to rebuild and get better through the draft. Um, You know, Dallas, Dallas Wings, you know, casted a wide net and drafted a Hall of Riches, hoping to find that right combination to put around a regain. And And then Indiana um, with the first overall pick Leah Boston, you know, trying to just capitalize on their draft class from last season. Um, So, yeah. And then, and then you have uh, these other teams that, that sort of just, you know, held back and maybe didn't need to do anything and because of what they already have, like um the mystics, Washington mystics. So um there was some some movement in and I think it was a fun kind of frenetic free agency it, like it's been in the, in the past few years now since the new CBA allowed for more player autonomy in that way. And um, it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together
0: yeah, I, I you know, obviously Las Vegas and New York are going to get a lot of the attention, just strictly based on how. How good they are and how stacked they are and and rightfully so. And it's also the most recent thing we've seen. So it you know, they're obviously going to be on the forefront of everything. but in in past episode or past podcasts, I've even talked to a few guests that you know we we have always talk about Washington. Washington's kind of a, I don't want to say they're sneaky because they're they're always there, but they're they're kind of like a a little bit of an under the radar team this year. and I, I think a team that that could, you know could put up a good fight with with some of those top two teams and and be right there at the end of the year. Do you do you kind of agree with that as well?
1: I completely agree. In fact, they're my dark horse team for this season. Um they're totally being forgotten about. And if you when you have a healthy Elena Deladon who says she's fully healthy and is going to play the whole season, that changes the whole dynamic because they have a good they have a really good starting five and a good bench. You know, they didn't need to do much in free agency. They didn't even need to add much in the draft and Um, They have a solid team. And I think uh, they're, they're sort of being forgotten about in this conversation.
0: I do think that, that the, the coaching situation, obviously with, with Mike Tebow kind of stepping aside and and Eric stepping in, I do think that, and now this, this is going to sound like a knock on Eric, but I don't mean it to come across that way, but I, I do think that a younger head coach could matter, could make a difference in the postseason. You, you oftentimes see, you know, that, you know, People don't like to view coaching as making that big of a, you know, or making that much of an impact. But I think it it could, especially when you have best of seven series, let's say it's game seven, could just be a, you know, a last minute decision, you know, coaching decision that that makes all the difference. So I, I'm not saying that will happen, but I'm curious to see what will happen with with Eric's transition or Eric's move into kind of taking things over. Um, and I, I do think that that's where maybe the other two teams or the, those top two teams that we did mention they they kind of maybe have a little bit of the upper hand right now, along with the other talent that they have.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a good point uh, to make and one to keep an eye on. But I also think Mike's still going to have a hand. <laughs> He's still going to have Eric's yeah. ear. Um, and and in game decisions aside, you know, I think there's there's still going to be some tutelage going on there and some uh, guidance
0: mm-hmm.
1: when need when need be.
0: What uh, I, I, this kind of leads into, into my next question and we, we kind of already talked about it a little bit, but what are your, what are your thoughts on, on the the overall layout and kind of the the structure of the league? Do you, do you think it it's going to be kind of maybe in like years past where, you know, we have those three, four teams top the league and then basically everybody after that's just kind of, you know, a game apart from each other and kind of pretty even or what, what do you think will, will be kind of the layout of the league this year?
1: I mean, we could see that play out. Last year, it was the Aces and the Chicago Sky and Connecticut Sun that were sort of the top echelon, and then you know Seattle and Washington, um, and then there was a huge there was a drop off, right? Um, I we could see that this year. This is the thing, is with this season, like you have these good teams on paper, but how how's it gonna go? How's it gonna work out on the court? Because there's always an adjustment period. There's always a chemistry issue. That plays itself out in some way, shape, or form. How long that'll last remains to be seen, or they could just come out and click right away. So we're, we sort of, we kind of got to wait and see. And then you have these younger teams like, will Dallas finally figure out a roster that makes sense and a rotation that makes sense? Because that's been their issue for the past three or four seasons since Eureka got there. And then Indiana, you know, how's, what kind of step are they going to take this season? You know, how's their growth going to go? And, and then even with Minnesota, you know, what's, what are they going to look like without uh, Sylvia and and Nafisa Collier kind of taking the reins as the, as the leader in the face of that team? Um, Atlanta, you know, uh, Ryan Howard, how is she going to capitalize on last year's success? I mean, they were great defensively and they needed some offensive help, which I think they've gotten. So, you know, there's just, there's a lot that's up in the air and it's exciting though. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I do think that and I agree with you that it, it will be maybe more so than in past years interesting to see how that those first weeks and months kind of unfold or weeks and maybe just the first month, Um, because I do even even with the top teams, I think, you know, like, that's where I think Las Vegas has the upper hand. Now, granted, they did add a few pieces. Candace Parker, as you mentioned, is, is obviously a key one um, that will take some time, I think, to mesh, but that's where I think they have the upper hand over you know, a New York right away is that New York has, has basically a, you know, a brand new team and a brand yep. new, you know, starting five, and it's going to take some time. They're familiar with each other, but it, it still takes time to, to mesh and become that championship caliber team. So I, I do agree that, that even, you know, from the top down, it, it's going to take some time for either rookies, you know, or young prospects to establish, or, you know, the veterans to kind of, to kind of mesh together, which, which makes things very interesting. Mm-hmm um you know one thing that you know outside of you know kind of what we just talked about of of not really knowing what to expect and kind of keeping an eye on on that uh, you know how teams you know mesh together at at the start of the year what's what's one thing that that you're going to be you're going to be watching at the start of the year what, what I guess if you could put your finger on on one thing what's one thing that you're most interested in whether it's preseason or even at the start of the season
1: i mean i actually have a handful of things that First and foremost is Brittany Griner's return to the court. Um, I I really do think with with what she's been through and and so thankful that that she's back and, and she seems to be adjusting really well. Um, you know, from from our vantage point as far as what she's pre- what she presented in her press conference and um, she seems eager to get back on the court and just it almost seems like her love of basketball haven't been taken away from her and almost you know she didn't know if she'd ever play again. And so to have that renewed love for the game, I think we're going to see a, a different Brittany Griner this season, a more motivated and more joyful Brittany Griner than we have in the past. Um, it's just the vibe that I get, but how how great is it going to be to see her play in, in that first game for everybody? Um, so that's number one. And um, I'm excited to see Indiana's growth. I, I, it's, 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 they're, they're. I think they're the youngest team in the league. Um, just to, to see them sort of, like I said earlier, build on last season and then just, um, see what Aaliyah Boston can do at the pro level when she's not being triple quadruple teamed. Um, it's just going to be fun to see their development. Um, a big thing for me, leading up to the start of the season, is rosters, and and cuts. You know, there are so many teams that have like way more players at training camp than they can carry for the season. And, you know, like 17, 18 players, when you got to get it down to 12, 11 and to see those, to see that play out. um, And then the level of competition, I think, as we mentioned, is going to be, I think, very good this year. It's always good, but I think it's, you know, just going to be another level this season. And then to see, like we talked about again, what other teams step up. Uh, aside from you know, the all the talk about New York and Las Vegas, to see what other teams sort of rise to the occasion
0: yeah, when it comes to you know being like the level of competition, kind of the talent that's spread out, I do agree, and i I think that this is another reason why we're ready for expansion uh, by the way. but i I do think that even you know as as we continue to progress with the amount of talent that's coming out of the college game, you know there's obviously, the same amount of spots there's not any more spots than than what there was even you could argue there's even less because a lot of teams carry 11 spot or 11 players instead of 12 um but i mean we're only gonna get better top to bottom on on rosters if we don't expand and that's i mean that's good obviously you're improving what's already here but i i do think that they need to expand to obviously spread out that you know talent a little bit and provide more opportunities. That's that's a whole other conversation, but I, I I do agree that you know with top to bottom, I think that a lot of teams are are better than what we've we've kind of seen in in years past, which is great and it's going to be exciting to watch. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, you're completely. I completely agree. I mean, it is a whole other conversation talking about expansion and just a quick side note. But how weird is it that the information came out? Uh, I think Richard deitch put something out about how, you know, a conversation with Kathy Engelbert where she talked about, you know, they had a hundred teams or a hundred cities, excuse me, um, targeted and they're trying to get it down. I'm like, didn't they weren't they trying to get it down from 20 just last, just last year? And saying they're going to pick a city by the end of the end of the year? What happened? Like where did where did that come from?
0: I feel like we're in an endless cycle when it comes to the WNBA. We always were almost there. And then they're like, Oh wait, we got to evaluate. We got to step back. We got to, you know, I don't know. It it's, I don't, I don't get it. It makes, it
1: makes zero sense. Even coming from the WNBA, you know, um, to like put it out there. So fervently that something was going to happen by the end of the year. And then all of a sudden, like, why even put that out there? If you really don't have your ducks in a row with it, if you're really unsure, and they're really, you really aren't positive, like what cities you're you're sort of targeting, why even put it out there in the first place? It makes no sense.
0: Well, and then on the other side of things too, like you look at, let's say the Bay Area, they have, you know, an investing group that's, you know, that's ready. Well, they wouldn't be sitting there ready if they didn't get some sort of indication. I don't think that they're a legitimate, you know, final location or a considered location. So to me, it seems like, I don't know, they, they, they're ready and they just don't have, like you said, their ducks in a row that they, you know, they're trying to kind of backtrack now that, okay, mm-hmm. maybe we want to do it in two years. Well, you don't have to like, give us, you know, a detailed timeline, but I'm just like, kind of right? be honest, like, yeah to continue to say like oh it's a couple years out it's a couple years out it's a couple years out well you know we're we've been that way for 10 years like are we yes. gonna get here
1: i again i completely agree with you and i love the wmba but there's one thing they have been consistently frustrating with and that's tra- that's transparency and and the, it, that's always been the case
0: mm-hmm. yeah you know? it, yeah, I, I, it's just, you know, just be honest. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, if you're not ready, you're not ready, but just mm-hmm. don't, don't go back and forth and, and you know, kind of keep everybody guessing, but well, anyway, we'll, we'll get there We'll get there eventually, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> knock on wood. Um, Well, one other thing is, you know, talking about changes with the league Um, recently, we've, you know, we've learned of the, the, the rule changes that just came out, um, you mm-hmm. know, the coaches challenge among yep. other modifications. What, what are your initial thoughts on, on some of those, some of those rule changes and some of those announcements that were made?
1: I think it's great. I, you know, we see, we see the coaches challenge in, in NFL and and it's worked out rather well. Um, then they do it in the NBA. Why not add it to the WNBA game? And, um, you know, I think it makes sense, you know, We've seen calls, questionable calls, especially during the playoffs. Uh, so hopefully this will help mitigate some of that. Um, the only thing I don't understand, though, is the is the coach's challenge now for um goaltending or basket interference because that really doesn't happen. I'm guessing they had to put it in there just to have it in there, but I'm trying to think back to when that's ever happened.
0: I'm you puzzled me too I honestly I don't know if I've ever seen it happen before right
1: so I don't know I guess it's just part of the language they had to throw it in there but um I found that interesting
0: (laughs) how about the coaches challenge giving the WNBA officials more opportunity and longer opportunity to go review calls Uh, people that that follow me on Twitter know that I always complain about this that it literally takes like a half hour for every review to take place in the W and
1: that's true. And maybe there should be a time limit. I, I understand they want to get it right, but you should, if it starts to, if it starts to lean on like five minutes or so, you know, you're getting into territory where it's like, you're totally, whatever momentum, whoever had it, it's, it's being killed. Right. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I do think with ultimately the, the end goal and, and I, this is why they make rule changes. Cause you take a step back and reevaluate things. But I, I think the end goal is to obviously not only improve the product, but just make sure they're getting calls. Right. And I, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think that that's an important thing. Um, you know, that's why they have challenges in basically every other sport, baseball, football, you know, the NBA even has obviously the coaches challenge now. So I, I do think it's a good thing. And now it should have, and it does, it's, you know, it's limitations and it's rules within the rule. But I, I do think that specifically with that coach's challenge, I, I think that that's, you know, it's something that'll help the game and it'll, it'll kind of make things a little bit more interesting too. It, uh, teams can save that to, you know, save it for the end of the game and, and make sure a call gets right. That could maybe change the outcome of the game.
1: Yeah. And I do think the committee that does this, that gets together and evaluates the season and then makes these changes really heard a lot about the the roughing, some of the questionable calls and things that were made throughout the playoffs even during the season so yeah like you said hopefully this will help mitigate some of that
0: and I do think it adds another um it adds another layer layer of interest to to fans you know just kind of kind of I don't know if you want to say make them more involved or kind of make, you know, have an input on things or or whatever. But I think it it does add a little bit of interest that it also brings the, the WNBA back up to the forefront when they announce changes, people are talking about it, which is great. Um, As long as it's not for bad reasons, (laughs) expansion, um, then, you know, it's fine. But uh, that, that kind of leads into my, my next uh, question to you about, about, you know, the exposure of the WNBA. They, you know, they've, they announced earlier this off season, the new, the new TV deal with ION to, to to kind of put the game on another platform, um, which is great. I think anywhere else you can put the game and, you know, outside of where it already is, is, is phenomenal. But I, 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 you know, I always kind of look at the WNBA, um, you know, in comparison a little bit to the, to the college game, it's, it's two different worlds, but it's, you know, it's the same product in the end Um, you know, different talent, obviously, but, the college game seems to, to kind of maximize their exposure. They've, you know, whether it's March madness or, you know, kind of maximizing the Caitlin Clarks and the page Beckers and, you know, the Atlanta Boston's everything else, you know, to, to kind of, or every other you know top prospect to, to get that product out there, get that in that eyeballs and kind of maximize that exposure. It seems like the WNBA for whatever reason has kind of missed that opportunity. Do you, do you agree with that? Or do you, do you kind of, you know, fall along that, that same line?
1: Of course I agree with that. Marketing has been like the the WNBA's Achilles heel. I mean, we've had stars. It's not like we haven't had stars that they could get behind and put out front and, um, you know, and and market to, to fans. It's those of us who have been covering the WNBA for a while now, and I'm talking beyond five years um, have been just shouting from the rooftops for this. Like with the WNBA, they've always said, and this is, not just WNBA, but women's sports as a whole, right? It's always been this. Well, it's the chicken or the egg thing, and no, it's not. It's it's not. You don't. It's not. Hmm. Do we put do we put the games on television and then the fans fans will come, or do we wait for the fans to come and then we'll put more games on television? No, that's backwards thinking. Visibility and accessibility equals increasing viewership, and that's exactly what we have seen year over year over year over year. The more games you put on TV, the more accessible you make them, the more people will watch. It, 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 people want to say no, but Caitlin Clark's driving, you know, Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, they're driving they're driving the the rise in viewership. Do they have something to do with it? Sure. but if those games weren't accessible, how could you even watch them? It, it, you know you have to be able to watch the games and you have to be able to find those games. It doesn't matter what, what superstars playing unless you're able to access them, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to watch them in the first place. So yes, it seems like the WNBA is finally getting out of its own way for why they were reluctant. The powers that be were reluctant. I don't, I'll never understand it. And this goes with NCAA too. I mean, they, we know From seeing reports and things, how how they got in their own way and how they didn't promote the women's game because they, you know, are idiots. (laughs) Let's be honest, or chauvinists, or whatever you want to say. Um, But the WNBA is finally getting it, um, and they are seeing the rewards of that. And every season, they're adding more games and now putting it on television. Like you don't have to. I think Ion's what a station you can get without some big cable package, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So you can find those games and you can watch them. Anybody can, which is great.
0: And even when they didn't have, you know, the, the, maybe the, as expand, you know, expansive as they do right now with, with TV coverage, league pass has always been kind of a nightmare too, because you, you, I mean, they couldn't even get the, you know, the internal kind of viewership to, or the internal, you know, program, like NBA league pass, you know, has its faults too. Um, but you could at least watch every game at that time where, you know, WNBA League Pass, for whatever reason, it seems like there's almost more problems than there is, you know, solutions or, or kind of positive outcomes when it comes to that. Um, so, you know, that that's always, you know, that's people's backfall. Like that, if you can't watch, let's say, an NBA game on, on national TV or on TV in general, you're going to maybe watch it on NBA League Pass where the WNBA, it seemed like you couldn't do both or couldn't do either. Um, or they just weren't showing it on on League Pass, and it also wasn't on national television. So it, I I, I agree with the, the points you all made, and and I I feel like what the college game is doing right now, the WNBA should have done you know years ago, and and I think that they are trying to you know kind of fill that gap now, which is great, and you know better late than never, but it it should have happened should have happened a while ago. But
1: should have happened a, a while ago. It's not like the league hasn't had stars you know, right. to help drive viewership or rivalries for that matter. I mean, there was a time when Minnesota and Los Angeles were, you know, if that was, that's one of the best rivalries in the history of the league when it was at its height, you know, it was there. Mm-hmm. It was all, it was all there for the taking.
0: Right. Um, well, and... you look at like a player like Sabrina Inescu or, or even, you know, Caitlin Clark and page backers right now, the hype that they either have or had in the college game. So let's look at Sabrina, for instance, the hype that she had in the college game. Now she still gets hype in the WNBA, but not as, you know, maybe on the national level, like she did at the college game. If you look at it, it's like, okay, what, what's the reasoning for that? Well, people were noticing her. That's, that's for one, she was kind of rising onto the scene, but like she, she had exposure. She had the eyes on the game and then she got into the WNBA now granted she still is it. Well, she's better than what she was in college, but I mean, she's still that, that, type of talent but maybe as many people don't watch her which is the point we're both making here
1: yeah there's that but there's also when you get to when you make that leap from the from the college game to the pros i mean you're starting you're starting back at the lower level right. and you yep. still have to prove yourself and then she got injured um you know there's still a level of expectations to be met you know what she con what she did at the college she was at the pinnacle she was at the peak just like caitlin clark is right now um Paige will probably be when she comes back from injury you know it's not like you can just automatically do that when you get to the right. WNBA. you still there's a level of proving yourself mm-hmm. but her aside again there's plenty of stars and you know incredible players who have been in the league for some time who do that night in and night out that mm-hmm. you can get behind
0: right so so we just solved basically expansion, um, TV deals, and uh, what, else? I don't know, everything else. So the we league should know. have been listening
1: to us all along, Mitchell, <laughs> all along. Uh,
0: well, let's shift a little bit to, since we do talk a lot of links on this podcast, let's, let's shift to a little bit of link specific talk. Um, what are your thoughts on the off season so far? I, I I think a lot of the, the common thing that I've heard um, you know from a lot of people is it's kind of been a disappointing off season um now they they did get some good talent in the draft and i think they they really did have a, a good draft but overall it's kind of been maybe a little bit of a disappointing off season maybe not internally but for people with high hopes externally um what what are your thoughts on on what Minnesota's done so far and how they look right now
1: yeah i think they sort of swung and missed in free agency um maybe just couldn't pull the players that they needed to or wanted to, for that matter. But I like what they did at the draft, and I think they got better where they needed to get better in the draft. Um, Dork is a great fit. Uh, you, you, with the loss of Sylvia, you need rebounding help. Uh, I have her as, as one of my draft steals, actually. I did a draft steals um, article for The Athletic um, right after the draft, and, and she was one of my picks. Um, Diamond, obviously, Diamond Miller has all the tools to excel at the pro level, in my opinion. Having Nafisa Collier back to form is gonna be huge. And by all accounts, you know, she's ready to take over this team. Um so again, you look at the roster, right? And there's gonna be some hard cuts to be made. I mean, there's there's a lot of players on this roster. Um Natalie was out though with uh I believe she's pregnant, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then so you have some some decisions to make and you know hopefully um, Cheryl Reed will will get the players that the right players in the right places that that she needs and when she whittles down this roster and 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 the the Lynx will come out and, and have a better season than they did last season. Um, they sort of fizzled out at the end in a big way so I'm um, not really sure what the disconnect was but um, you know I, I think things could go a different way in a, in a positive direction
0: for sure. I do think, and and I've said this on on various uh, previous uh, podcasts, but I I think that for the first time ever, Minnesota is wide open. Everybody outside of Nafisa Collier is is under consideration right now, and mm-hmm. and I think that for a team that's in rebuild mode, I, that's the best possible you know outlook to have or kind of mindset to have. Um, but everything you can tell, even even in training camp this off season, rightfully so, you know the links have said everything they do is centered around Nafisa Collier. You know, mm-hmm. everything they did in the draft is centered around Fee. She's the lone uh, captain for the first time since Cheryl's been in Minnesota that they've only had one captain. That's this year, and it's Nafisa Collier. Um, you know, they, they've talked about how they want to cater to Fee and how she her style of play offensively. She likes being aggressive. She likes pushing the pace. She likes running the floor. That's why they picked Diamond Miller. That's why they, mm-hmm. you know, they have, they have Dorka Uhas that can kind of spread the floor a little bit. Um, and, you know, Fee has kind of talked a little bit too about how, you know, this is like the first time in, in the WNBA she's played this style. Minnesota's always been a little bit, you know, slower. They've been, you know, working yeah. the inside. They've had Sill, you know, since since Fee came into the league. So it's, it's been a bit of an adjustment for her. So this year more than ever, it's, they're gonna, they're very open-minded, I think, and, and I think that, like I said, it's a good, good place to be in, and more often than not, you, you do have those teams that maybe come in with low expectations, like Minnesota has, and, you know, they just play free, and they have, they have those young players, and I don't want to say they don't know better, but sometimes they don't know better, and, and that's, that's good, that's a good thing, but it, they do have some hard decisions to make, though, at the same time, and, and I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how, how the preseason unfolds and, and just kind of the, what they they do with this roster. Cause it's a very weird layout of a roster right now. They're very wing mm-hmm. heavy. They're very, you know, they're forward heavy. Um, but it's, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, see what they do and what kind of team they put together this year. I, I really don't know what to expect.
1: Yeah. That's a great way to put it, that it's wide open. Um, And, and, like I said, it's a, it's a matter of Cheryl figuring out, you know, the right combination of players and um, the right fits at the different positions and whatnot. So yeah, that's, they're one of the teams I'm keeping an eye on as far as um, cuts and things like that uh, and how that plays out just like Dallas. um, Same thing. Indiana even has some hard decisions to make as well.
0: That's true. I I do think that with the draft picks, I in any other year, I think I think Minnesota takes three of the draft picks they took this year. Um, and that being Diamond Miller, Dorky Uhas, and Bree Beal. I don't think that Bree is gonna have a spot this year. I I do think Cheryl really likes her. I just really don't they don't have any room to keep her. And yes, I I'm sorry. Sorry to cut
1: you off. I <laughs> I um people were asking in why I didn't put her in my draft steals. You know, I think she's an exceptional defensive player. What she lacks offensively is just not going to fit with this team. Um, and there are four or five, maybe four veteran guards in front of her who can produce, who can score. That's that's, that's just hard. It's just a reality of the situation.
0: I think if Tiffany Mitchell wasn't signed this offseason, I think mm-hmm. Reveal takes that spot. But that's a great I, point. I think with with Tiffany Mitchell there, I mean, I, I really, I just, I like her. And, and like you said, I, I do think her offensive game lacks I do think she's more of maybe kind of a, like an Elena Beard type player where she's mm-hmm. that defensive specialist, but she doesn't have the offensive game to match her defense. And she's even admitted that, that she needs to improve her offense. But um yeah, I, I, I do think that the two, the top two picks, you and, and Miller, I think that they're locks to make the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know that they're gonna have to I think you know depending on what happens with with Natalie Chanwa and just kind of how they handle her contract and and how that whole situation works if they can replace somebody um with her her spot or or how that that situation will work under the under the cap but I I think somebody like even Demir's Dantas is gonna be in in jeopardy of a of a spot I mean she's she's a good talent but she, she you know, this is going to kind of sound mean, but she hasn't been there. She hasn't been on the court. The last two seasons, she's either dealt with, you know, personal issues or, um, you know, injuries and the best, you know, the best available, or, you know, to, to be a, to be an asset to the team, you have to be on the court. And, and that's, you know, that's something that she's lacked, but they have some tough decisions to make. And I think that it won't be, um, you know, that, that's surprising to maybe see a, a familiar face or maybe even a veteran player cut from this team out of training camp.
1: Yeah, I agree. We yeah. all know how hard it is to make a WNBA roster. And, and unless you're one of those top tier all-star players, you know, you're, you're vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. even as a vet.
0: Right. And, and there's, you know, there's 11, 12 spots and you got to make the most out of those those 11 12 spots cuz injuries happen as we all yeah. know and and there's not a lot of not a lot of room to you know kind of give people chances which is unfortunate but mm-hmm. you got to you got to go with the proven proven commodity and yeah that once we get that expansion we talked about then then
1: <laughs> then we won't have to
0: deal with that too much <laughs> um well at the at the end of at end of each podcast or as as we're kind of winding down um I've asked if few people just kind of some random like quick hitter questions um so I was going to run a few by you um the first one is is what what is your your bold prediction for 2023 if you if you can you know one or maybe even a couple predictions
1: my bold prediction I don't know how bold this is but I feel like this is the year Brittany Griner gets the MVP award I don't know I just got a feeling that she's just totally rejuvenated and and will have a completely different um, view outlook, uh, how, whatever you want to call it of, of basketball and, and just really, I could just see her just really enjoying it and really just when she has fun, when she's out there and she's having fun and, and, and she just can can do things that a lot of other players can't. And she's been close. This might be her season. She was close last year, I believe. Um, or not last year, sorry, the, the year before, um, uh, another little prediction, perhaps, um, that uh, New York and Las Vegas aren't just going to run away with the title. Do
0: You think Washington?
1: I another prediction. There, <laughs> my dark horse team. You know, I think I think Washington is in play. I really do.
0: I I agree with you. I I really like Washington. I like you said a a, a healthy Elena Deladon, I think will go a long way, and I selfishly i want to see that because i just i want to see a fully healthy edd and i think oh yes
1: it's so good for the game it's so good (laughs) for fans it's so good for the game agreed yeah
0: what uh who do you think is your title favorite or i guess what what team is is your title favorite right now
1: um i mean if i had to like do just a, a one two three you know off the cuff i'd with what we know now at this point, right here at, on May fourth, <laughs> um, Las Vegas. I mean, they won it last year, and you always have to go. They didn't. There was no drop off, so you have to go with the team. Well, I mean, they lost um, Derek Hamby, but you know, obviously, they got Candace Parker. So, to me, I, I don't. I don't believe they 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 lost anything. Um, so you have to put them at the top uh and then i think new york and washington are are there new york again we have to see how that plays out but just going from what we know now and the talent they have Mm
0: -hmm. this one's kind of off the cuff i i i um just kind of thought of this right now but everybody has has that one favorite memory of covering you know whether it's WNBA sports you know women's basketball anything everybody has that, that one favorite memory do you have a favorite memory whether it's you know running into somebody you know your favorite interview you've had maybe favorite you know game or memory that you've had during a season is there one thing in particular that comes to mind
1: um i'd have to go with i'd have to go with two Mm -hmm. two things um the first being a few years back i wrote a story about uh, sue bird and diana tarasi's friendship and I got to talk with them both and just hear some inside stories of their time at UConn and how they met and you know their lifelong friendship. It's one of my favorite things I've ever written. Um, and then um, I wrote, went back when I was freelancing for other publications, I wrote um, a feature profile in Doris Burke for Deadspin, the old Deadspin. And, It remains my favorite interview of all time. I got to sit with her in Cleveland face-to-face the day of one of the, it was during the um, NBA finals. And uh, it was the day of before a game we met in the morning and and had just had coffee right there um, at the arena and talked. And she's one of the coolest, most genuine, realest people I've ever met, uh, honest. And uh, it was just so great to sit and talk with her about her life and how she got to the point where she's now, she is now in her career. She's such a trailblazer. I could go on, but yes.
0: If I could sit in a room with three people in the game of, you know, around basketball, I, I would say probably those three people are, are, you know, near the top of my list. Doris Burke, Subert, Diana Taurasi, give me all three of them and I could, I could die a happy person. I, that would be awesome. Right. Oh. Uh, they're yes. just, just their personalities and and like you said, they all they all just kind of seem like just genuine, genuine people. They're all competitors and they're they fight for what they fight for what they want, and what they what they work for, but they're they're still good people off the court too.
1: Well, and the interesting part of that is I grew up watching Tarasi play. Yeah, you know, I was a huge Yukon fan when I was younger. Um, Rebecca Lobo, you know, back when they upset Tennessee and then carried on when Sue Bird got there and then Diana. So I did that, I mean, I I watched them for, for years and was a huge Diana Taurasi fan. So to get to the point where I get to actually talk with her and and write about her and cover her is, is surreal sometimes. And then I, the same thing could be said about Doris, you know, have been a longtime fan, looked up to her. And so to have, to get that one-on-one FaceTime with her was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm
0: one of those pinch me moments where you're 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 kind of sitting there and you're just like is yeah. this person really sitting in front of me am i really talking <laughs> yeah. to this person right now am i
1: actually writing this like is this right. my job now like this right. is it's been a, it's been an incredible ride <laughs>
0: yeah. well Lindsay, that's that's really all i have for you i i really do appreciate you joining uh the podcast this week and and for for kind of putting up with me for the for the last uh, i don't know half hour 45 minutes whatever it's been but it's my um, pleasure it's It's been a blast having you on. if If you could tell maybe people one more time where they could follow you and and kind of where they can see your work,
1: Yeah, you can check out my work at the Athletic and just women's sports and uh, find me on Twitter at dark angel twenty one.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you, Lindsay. Um, like I said, I appreciate all your coverage that that you have provided and you'll continue to provide and and I know I speak for all the listeners um, that will will definitely be following along this this season. It should be a fun year.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, always happy to chat about women's basketball with you, Mitchell.
0: Well, thank you again. We'll do it again soon. And, and, and we'll talk to you, talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the hitting the hardwood podcast. And once again, thank you to Lindsay for, for joining me as a guest this week. i um, always great chatting basketball with Lindsay and, and appreciate all of her work that she, she does to um, not only provide great coverage for women's basketball in general, but the WNBA, um, the college game, and it's always great to talk to Lindsay about just the WNBA, the landscape, of the, uh, the WNBA, the links, um, and everything in between. So thanks again to Lindsay for joining this week. I also want to give a shout out to Jeremy Rushing, as we do every week, for, for producing this podcast uh, for me every week. And I also want to give a shout out to our newest patron of the Hitting the Hardwood Patreon community, Brett. Thank you, Brett, for, for joining and, and for your support of the Hitting the Hardwood podcast and the Hitting the Hardwood brand. Um, if you would like to support the podcast, please b- visit patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood to receive exclusive perks and much more as part of our Patreon community. Um, the latest Patreon exclusive um, offering that I've given the patrons um, is my, my early training camp thoughts um, as we're wrapping up the first week of, of training camp and my early roster pro- uh, projections. Um, I kind of break down the roster as as far as who I think will be a part of the the final 11 players. So if you want that um, that content, that bonus content, and much more, um, please join our Patreon community and, and sign up by visiting patreon.com forward slash hitting the hardwood. Also want to give out a shout out to our partners at Hitting the Hardwood. I'm really excited to be sharing um, with you our two partnerships that we have, um, one with Homage and one with Better Edge. Better Edge is our most recent uh, partnership that we had announced here at Hitting the Hardwood. Um, homage is a clothing site that offers a variety of vintage merchandise through a collection of WNBA and lynx gear um, each portion of the lynx gear and in the WNBA gear um, that you can find on on our social media platforms um, each item that you purchase um, will come back uh, to support hitting the hardwood so we appreciate you going to check them out and, and getting a lot of their their great gear as I'm speaking right now, I'm wearing uh, my my homage WNBA t-shirt, which is one of my favorite t-shirts to go along with some of the links gear that I also have. Um, but a lot of great stuff there that, that you should check out. Um, and then Better Edge. Better Edge is a Minneapolis-based sports betting company and platform that that lets users uh, bet against each other and and choose how much they're willing to bet with no fees. Um, I've I've been a, a user of of Better Edge in the past and and I enjoy it a lot i continue to do it this year. Bet on and bet on various sports, um, WBA included. Um, and you can visit BetterEdge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Edge.com forward slash links. And if you do so, if you sign up using the promo code links, you get a free twenty dollars on us, uh, and not not just on us, but on Better Edge as well. But free twenty dollars in, in free play as you sign up. And um, so make sure to go check that out. Um, at that's once again betteredge.com forward slash links and that is b-e-t-t-o-r edge.com so once again thank you for joining this week um, we look forward to to another week of of training camp in the preseason and we are getting closer to the WNBA season we are just a few weeks away from the start of the regular season um, so until then um, we'll see you again next week